0: been talking about those if-only moments, um, the, uh, those moments where uh, maybe you made a bad decision. Maybe you said something you wish you wouldn't have. Maybe you had an opportunity to do something you wish you would have done, but you didn't. If only you would have. If only you wouldn't have. We've used the story of Joseph in the Old Testament. It's basically the latter half of the book of Genesis, the first book in your Bible. And from about uh, Genesis chapter 25 on, we find the story of uh, Jacob. Last week, we took a look at the story of uh, Reuben, and we talked about the baggage that we pick up, those decisions that we wish we wouldn't have made, those things that we wish we would have done. And we talked about how those things need not rule our our lives the way that they often do, and the hope and the comfort that we can find in God because of that. Uh, today, we're going to take a look at the life of Jacob, and um, uh, we're going to talk about uh, uh, Reuben's father, Jacob, Joseph's father, Jacob. For those of you that have any uh, biblical familiarity whatsoever, you have probably heard uh, of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Jacob Jacob's father was Isaac. And um, uh, let me just uh, give you a little background about Jacob. Uh, We talked about the things that Reuben uh, had carried. And we talked about how these are decisions that he picked up. And and trust me, there was a a bunch of stuff that Jacob himself picked up. But Jacob uh, had a whole lot of stuff dumped on him. Things that were just, he's walking along, just kind of uh, minding his own business. And people would come along and say, here, carry this here. Put this in your backpack here. Add this to your, to your uh, luggage here, here, here. It started at his birth. Um, uh, Isaac, um, uh, Isaac, uh, Jacob's father, uh, they, they were twins, And uh, the firstborn was uh, Esau. The second son was Jacob. Uh, Esau uh, was this stereotypical, um, uh, how do you want to say it? Uh, Just picture Gaston, all right? Uh, uh, First, uh, maybe uh, pre-century Gaston kind of a thing. Uh, But in in biblical times, and he's this big, burly uh, hunter-gatherer guy, and Jacob is the second born, and he's the skinny kind of mama's boy, if you will. I'm exaggerating for the sake of the point, but it's not too far off. Um, Isaac, Jacob's father, loved Esau didn't really think too much of Jacob. He loved Esau because Esau would do all those manly things and, and bring him meat and, and, and he'd be the guy that would be the quarterback on the football team, the pitcher on the baseball team, uh, that kind of stereotyping and, and uh, uh, Isaac showed favoritism. Now, on the other hand, uh, uh, Jacob's mother really kind of uh, showed her favorite uh, favoritism toward Jacob. And uh, parents, if you want to add baggage to your children's lives, play favorites. Do that. Compare one child to another. If you just comb your hair the way your sister does. If you just have good grades like your brother. If you could just keep a job and pay your bills, you know, like your siblings do that. Oh, they'll, they'll carry that for 80 years and they'll pass it along. Jacob did. If you want to, that was one of the bags that was handed to Jacob favoritism right from the word go. Then, um, uh, he grows up, <clears throat> and um, because of this schism that was going on between mom and dad, uh, Esau, the firstborn, was due a special birthright as the oldest son. Well, his mother kind of organized a little uh, bit of a bait-and-switch uh, uh, kind of a uh, program. And next thing you know, Jacob gets the birthright rather than Esau. Esau shows up, finds out what's happened, and he swears upon anything and everything that's holy that he's going to kill his brother. And he wasn't messing around. This wasn't made for TV drama. This was real life. And Jacob ran away and was in fear for his life for decades. That was handed to him. And he walked around in fear for a long, long, long time of his brother. The baggage that in that episode was so bad that it was passed on down to each family. Esau passed it on to his family, and Jacob passed it on to his family. They they were afraid that these two brothers' families would actually go to war and do irreparable harm to one another. Baggage. We're not done. I shared a little bit about how Jacob uh, traveled uh, to go see his uncle. Uh, They wanted to get kind of keep uh, the family uh, lines together. So he went to go see his uncle to see if there was a bride that he could have. And he set his eyes on Rachel right away. The problem was Rachel had an older sister, Leah, and his his uncle wanted to marry Leah off first. So on their wedding night, the veil went down and Jacob had no idea that Leah was under that veil, not Rachel. And the deal was, in order to get that bride, because he didn't have any money, he had to work for seven years. Can you imagine, after working for seven years, that wedding night? Can you imagine the baggage of anger and resentment that was handed to him then? When that showed up, uh, uh, it, it wasn't as if it was uh, resolved. I'm sorry. Um, no. How about if you work seven more years so you can get Rachel? Even then, the deal went sour. He had to work even more. So, um, uh, dysfunction between favorites in the family, um, uh, that favorites in the family bore down to, to resentment, to one brother to another. And then anger Uh, uh, over uh, and disappointment, all those kinds of bags that are just handed. uh, And believe it or not, they're handed from parent to child and from brother to brother. We haven't even gone outside uh, into general public yet of people that say things and do things. And you're driving on the road and you, you just go to turn and, and some guy gets mad because you haven't turned fast enough and he honks and but you know how many friends he had before his dog died. It's, it's a frustrating thing, you know. I mean, good grief. I mean, the, the, the bags that people hand to you and I. And you know what's crazy about it? We pick it up. And we carry it. I bet you right now, if I asked you, name me the number one person that you're angry at, you're going to say to me, do I have to pick one? And you might think about something that happened 25, 35, 45 years ago. You still remember it. That's baggage. That's how that works and we pick it up and we carry it along and every once in a while we'll bump into somebody and, and you're angry or, or you remember something that happened in the family at Thanksgiving dinner 30 years ago and you're still talking about it and your friend will say what are you doing? Why, why are you holding on to that? And when they ask you that question you're thinking I know isn't this silly? <coughs> Excuse me <clears throat> I know, isn't this silly? But I can't let go. I don't want to be angry, but I am. I don't want to have resentment, but I do. I don't want to play favorites like my parents did, but I do. And the baggage that we end up carrying, we end up passing along. And we just don't want to do this. If only I could find a way to let go. Many of you are familiar with the 23rd Psalm. It's something that is quoted oftentimes during a funeral and that, li- that line that's in there in the fourth verse says, um, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. The, the, uh, the context that we usually apply that psalm to, uh, like I said, is funerals. And we're thinking when someone passes from life uh, to death or life to life with God. But that's really not necessarily what David was talking about. Let me give you two things that I want you to understand. Uh, A couple of words I want you to focus on. I want you to focus on the word uh, walk, and I want you to focus on the word valley. Firstly, walk is not necessarily a singular event. It's better understood as, as I am walking, and all those times—the the times that we have struggled, the time that we that we uh, have those bad days, the times that we have those regretful moments, the times that we said things that we shouldn't have said, did things that we shouldn't have done, the times that someone else said things that they shouldn't have said and did things that they shouldn't have done—and we're remembering and carrying the baggage that's been handed to us. And uh, that walking is just a—it's it, it, a durative event in our lives. And, and it's all of it together. And that's the valley. The valley is the place that we go. The valley is that time when um, we get that bad report from the doctor. The valley is the time when we get that phone call and somebody's gone. The valley is the time when, you, when, you, when, you, when, when, you're, when you're not employed and, and you're waiting for uh, the call back that never comes. The valley is that unexpected hospital bill. The valley is words that parents say. The valley is when someone says you'll never amount to anything and you're 15. That's the valley. And David says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Because you're with me, God. You see, I could end the message right here. I'm not going to, but. The bottom line is when it comes to baggage that we carry or baggage that other people give to us to carry, if God can't help us with this, then he's not God, but because he is God, he can help us with this and our lives ought to be a great example of the difference that God can make, the healing that can come, the health the way that things can be forgiven and, and then therefore uh, let go of. No more baggage. No more junk. And the difference happens when you start talking differently, when, when <clears throat> uh, people have having similar circumstances to you in your life, when their walk through the valley is similar to your walk in the valley, you and I say, yeah, I know that's like that time that this happened to me. But we stop talking like that and we start saying, I know, but let me tell you the difference that God has made in my life. Let me tell you what Jesus did when I gave him all of my junk. And in the beginning people look at you like, "What?" All right, they look at like, like your dog does. You know, "What what did you just do?" "What are you talking about?" Because most people think that it's normal to carry baggage. And God says it's not normal. That's a lie from hell. That you you live like that. That you walk around burdened and encumbered. And and you remember things from uh, last week, from last year, from last decade. That's not the way we're supposed to live. We're supposed to live with health and hope. And because we have God in our lives, you and I are walking examples of what it means that we, even though we are walking through the valley, we will not fear because he's with us and there are tons of things I can't do there's tons of things uh, that I have done that I wish I wouldn't have but because God's with me the things that I've done can be forgiven and the things that have been done to me I can forgive that's the difference that's the difference so in order to deal with with the baggage that is handed to you and me, there's just a, a couple of things I want to I w- I focus on this morning. Just a couple of uh, uh, perspectives and understandings that I, I want you and I to be able to, to, to walk with and carry, uh, or not I better said not carry uh, from here on out, uh, some things that uh, uh, you and I need. Uh, the first thing that you need is perspective. You need perspective. Um, Your world um, gets really, really small when there are challenges there. There really, really are. And uh, uh, I've done it. You've done it. You've seen people do it. When uh, not just the baggage that we pick up, but the bags that people hand to us, when we pick them up, our worlds get small. And, and we tend to think that we're the only ones that are going through the the, the problem here. We tend to think that uh, we're the only ones that have ever experienced this kind of issue. So the bottom line is when we're doing that, we, we, we tend to get ourselves in, in a cone, and we look down, and that cone goes from about like this to about like this to about like this to about like this. And there's this emotional and intellectual and spiritual claustrophobia that takes place. And we can't think and we can't see and we can't hear. And it's so hard. Paul tells Timothy this in chapter one of his first letter. He said, God gave us not a spirit of fear, but of power of love and of self-discipline. And, and, and that, I know that some of you are familiar with that, and, and it sounds so good, but you know what the problem is? <coughs> Excuse me. <clears throat> the problem is that we, um, we don't usually react with power and love and with self-discipline. What do we react with? This is audience participation time, by the way. <laughs> Okay. Anger, spot on. That's that's uh, in various forms. Uh sarcastic comments, uh silence, or if it builds up too much, it's just an explosion of rage. I mean, that's and and, and then uh, uh 15 minutes later we're going, eh, "I'm sorry I just had a bad day." No, you've had a bad life. And it's time that you let go of it. Okay? Because I don't like when you lash out like this. You don't like when you lash out. In fact, nobody does. And everybody, after a while, everybody can see it coming. And sometimes you just have to gain the perspective that God can provide. Maybe you've heard this. It's a, it's a classic illustration. Uh, a little boy goes outside, and when he goes outside, he takes a bat uh, and a ball. And uh, he steps out in the backyard. He throws the the ball up in the air, grabs his bat, and he says, I'm the greatest hitter in the world. The ball comes down, swing and a miss, strike one. He goes, okay. Picks up the ball, throws it up in the air. I'm the greatest hitter in the world. Swing and a miss, strike two. It's going to happen this time. Grabs the ball, throws it up in the air. Ball comes down to concentrate. He's focusing, swing, miss, strike three, you're out. Thinks for a second, smiles, raises up his hands. says, I'm the greatest pitcher in the world. (laughs) Perspective. I may not be the best hitter, but God is. I may mess up all the time, but God uses messes every single day to make a difference in my life and in other people's lives. Yep. We're not helpless in this. This is not some kind of sick fatalistic spiritual joke that God plays on people. The amazing thing is, is we're not stuck in any way, shape or form with the totality of the decisions that we have. There are consequences that we can't change. Sometimes there's money that we spend that we can't get back. There are words that are spoken that can't be undone. There are things that are done that can't be undone, but you can do differently. You can speak differently. You can say you're sorry. You can earn money back. And God has a way of making all those efforts double in their return because he's God. And God has not given us this spirit of fear, but a spirit of power and a spirit of love. In the spirit of self-discipline, I'm not going to do that anymore. I had a perspective that I was junk, and I wasn't going to amount to anything. But that's not what God says about not me, and that's not why Jesus died for me. There's power in the blood of Jesus. There's love in the actions of Jesus. And because he can do that for me, I can do some things for him. That's self-discipline. You need perspective. You also need peace. Just peace. Turn off the phone. Turn off the television. Get out of the car. Sit on the back porch. Go take a walk in the woods. Sometimes we say we can't do those things, but you can do anything you want to do. You have the ability. Sometimes it's just hard. Now, when I talk about things like that, what I am not saying is that you necessarily need to go to a place that doesn't have noise. You didn't, you you need to go to a place that where the sky is always blue and. Uh, the wind is gentle and everybody knows your name. Okay. That's not what I'm talking about. Um, there was, a, there's a story about an ancient King that had a contest for a painting and he wanted uh, 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 the painting contest to be uh, the best illustration of what peace really means. And eventually it was whittled down to two entries. One was this serene Valley, blue skies, soft white mountains, uh, gentle snow on a distant peak, uh, flowers in the mountain valley, birds. That was the first entry. The second entry had a similar scene, but the mountains were dark. The trees, for the most part, had all lost their leaves. There was a storm that was brewing on this side of the mountain and it was beginning to rain and and the water that was coming off the side of the mountain was cold and it was, it was harsh. And yet down in the very bottom part of the picture was one tree with one bird and one nest with eggs. And the King chose the second picture. Because real peace is the ability to stay calm in the storm. Not necessarily to just have blue skies and pretty days. Every one of us can worry. Every one of us can wonder and fuss and whine and complain And we give each other the benefit of the doubt when those days happen. But real peace comes from the understanding that it doesn't matter what's going on because God still has authority over all of it. And if God meant for today to be like today, then I'll wait and see what the results of this day that he meant to happen because he's got authority over the storm as much as he's got authority over the sun. 1 Corinthians chapter 14 says this, God is not a God of confusion, but a God of peace. God doesn't, uh, God's, uh, contrary to what sometimes we think, God is not just uh, swirling everything up to see what happens to you and me. I wonder if they can handle this. Let's, let's, mess, with, uh, uh, let's mess with Stan today. I just want to absolutely mess with him. Let me see what happens when I take his baseball cards and play 52 pickup. (laughs) You know, in fact, I'm going to take his safe and I'm just going to. All right. And see what happens with that. Let's see. Let me just give someone a diagnosis of cancer. Let's see what happens with that. Let's have some fun. Let me ruin a family. Let's see that. Wouldn't that be great? That's the perspective sometimes that I think uh, many have of God. That's not what God, that, that is not the authorship of God. That's our authorship. That's what happens when we keep carrying those bags and we stay angry and we say things we don't mean. We do things we don't want to do and the results are there. And we just keep adding more and more baggage. That's not the authorship of God. He's not a God of confusion. He's a God of peace, wait, stop. You and I have more than demonstrated that there are things that we don't know how to handle, which is all the more reason why you and I need to wait and stop and see what God has to say in this moment. Peace. Philippians chapter four says this. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. God, I don't know what's going to happen. God, I know that you've done other things in other people's lives, and you've even done a whole bunch of stuff in my life. And notwithstanding the fact that you've more than demonstrated your power day after day, year after year, Because I'm weak and sometimes I'm frustrated and sometimes I'm angry and I'm trying to let go of the baggage. Sometimes it still has lasting effects. So help me. Help me. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding. You know what that means? That's a big fancy Bible lingo for, I don't get how it works, but it's working. Which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Jesus. That's the hope that we have. You need perspective, you need peace. And lastly, this is the worst part you need patience. I know. You need patience. It it is what it is. It's so hard to wait. You know, my my father-in-law used to call it the can't hardlies. I got I got the worst case of the can't hard. I can't hardly stand it. I can't hardly wait. Yeah, you can. See, when you have the can't hardlies, you kind of jump the gun. You get under the tree and you tear the paper. Okay, you. Um, you make the phone call you probably shouldn't have made. You take, care of, you take care of things that somebody else really needs to take care of. You need to wait. Psalm 24, let's go back there. We focused on the word walk and the word valley, but now I want you to focus on the word through. Even though I walk through the valley even though I'm walking today which is a bad day even though there are things going on that I'm having a real hard time understanding let alone accepting God I'm walking through it I'm not standing still I'm walking where you're leading me And while I'm walking, I'm waiting for you to bring all of this together. And when it's all said and done, it won't be because I was patient and it won't necessarily be because uh, I had great perspective. And it's because I I have this great spiritual understanding of your peace. It'll be because it'll be because you did this and what you did, God, was worth waiting for. It was worth it. It's so hard to wait For him to bring his answers at times. To let the doctor's work finish its completion. To let the kids grow up. To uh, get beyond those first few years of marriage. To uh, get beyond the first couple years of that big move. To get beyond the, the difficulty of being overwhelmed with debt. It's so hard, but when we pray and we trust him and we get perspective and God brings us a peace that does pass understanding and we wait on him, what God brings enables us to just let go of the junk because those things don't rule us anymore. They just don't. Isaiah chapter 30 says, yet the Lord longs to be gracious to you. Do you believe that? Do you believe that God wants to be gracious to you? It's the total opposite of God constantly wanting, that you and I believe that God is constantly wanting to just bring discipline and uh, burden on top of you and me because of some stupid thing that happened 30 years ago. The somebody else remembers what you did and keeps piling it back on. You drop the bag off. Somebody else picks it up and says, here, you forgot this. Remember, you're the jerk. Remember, you're the idiot. You're the one who did that a long time ago. No, that's not how this works. God wants to be gracious. Even if somebody else doesn't. He wants to give you hope and peace, not confusion and despair. He wants to say, you let go of that because Jesus took that with him on the cross. He nailed it there and it's staying there. That's the hope that we have. The Lord longs to be gracious to you. Therefore, he will rise up. To show you compassion. God getting up and moving on my behalf, on your behalf. Moving, putting things together and orchestrating introductions and uh, conversations and events. Working all things, he tells the church in Rome. All things together for the good of those who are called according to his purpose. Oh my goodness. God doing that for me? Yeah. Happy Thanksgiving. For the Lord is a God of justice. Blessed are all who wait for him. That's the good stuff. That's the good stuff. You need perspective. You need peace. And you need patience. Because God doesn't want you carrying baggage not only that you pick up, but more importantly, that somebody else says you're supposed to carry, let it go. It doesn't matter anymore. John Ortberg is a Christian author, and uh, he has books that have kind of interesting titles. It's not one or two words. They're usually sentences that are all involved. And one is called, When the Game is Over, It All Goes Back in the Box. You know, uh, whether it's checkers or the game of sorry or, or whatever a board game you can think about when the game is over, you pick up all the pieces, you fold up the board and everything goes back in the box. And if life is a game. When the game is over. Everything goes back in the box. Nobody carries game pieces with them. Nobody carries the board. Usually we talk about that in the context of possessions and assets. We encourage people to give because we say you can't take it with you. But guess what else you don't take with you? Baggage. You know, being in the job that I'm in, I, I see people at the best and at their worst. And let me tell you, The worst can be pretty bad. It really can It can just crush you. It can make you want to quit. Make you believe lies. Make you just want to walk away. Then God says, I know. I know. It hurts me too. But there's so much more. And oh, by the way, when the game is over, all the pieces go back in the box. And all the stuff that's hurting right now and all the things that overwhelm you and you think just can't possibly be fixed, you just throw Humpty Dumpty out because nobody cares anymore. No. When you come home to me, you leave all of that junk you leave it all behind. You get to come home new and clean and hopeful because all the pieces stay in the box. Yes, we leave our possessions, but we leave our junk too. All those words that hurt that you and I can't we just can't let go of those conversations that we just can't forget those events that marked our lives. And for whatever reason, continue to mark our lives. And no matter how we try to change, we just can't let go of it. God says, it's all gone. And now it's all good. That's why we are who we are. That's why we tell people that our entire purpose in life is to help people find and follow Jesus. That's why when we gather together each week, we celebrate communion. Why? Because you're supposed to do that. Because that's what church people do. They pass around uh, metal trays with weird items like pieces of bread or pieces of cracker and cups of juice and whatever. And we do this and then we do this and we and we're supposed to all no. We celebrate communion because Jesus cleans up the mess. We celebrate communion because it's the example of what he did on the cross when he took those stupid things that I've said and he took those stupid things that people have said to me and he nailed it to the cross and said, see, I've taken care of it. Now, I know you're going to remember it, but we're going to do this one more time today to help you forget it to remind you that God's taken care of this. So as the guys go back, as, as the people go back and their servers go back, you can, if you're, if you're serving community, go out and get back. They're going to come forward with these trays. There's going to be a, a, a tray of bread that represents the body of Jesus that, that made the difference for all people everywhere. And the cups of juice represent the blood of Jesus that cleanses Everything. And we remember that sacrifice that he has on the cross. And so when we remember the patience that we need, the perspective that we need, the peace that we need, it's, we can do all that because of what Jesus has done for us and put everything back in the box. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for the hope that we have in Christ. Thank you for the ability just to let go of our baggage To let go of the things that we just don't want to remember anymore. The things that someone else keeps remembering. The labels, the scars, the wounds. Lord, you said that your burden is easy. So that we can cast all our cares on you. God, we're... we're What we're getting ready to unload is a whole lot of junk. You've done it before and you can do it again. Thank you so much for loving us enough to die for us. For loving us enough to die for us so that we could be forgiven. And all of that junk can be let go. And having let go of it all, we can let go of things that have been done to us. And everybody begins to get healthy and everybody begins to have perspective and peace and can be patient because we can trust you and we can lean on you. God, help us. The holiday season is upon us and people are remembering things that they've always done. God, we want to forget some things that have always been remembered. And we want to help people do the same thing to find hope and peace in you.